Hey, what's up, bro? Oh, hey, bro. A word? Oh, hey, Mary. <laughs> hey, hey, Mary. Mary. Uh, <laughs> hey, Mary. Uh, <laughs> That's, uh, Can don't I get adjust, a spot? <laughs> don't adjust your, <laughs> your televisions. It's still the same faggots you know and love. Who I just turned my faggot, I just faggot? turned my hat around backwards. <laughs> I'm calling you a faggot. <laughs> Do you uh want me to, you know, put my tongue in your butt? <laughs> I mean, I guess, Eileen. Uh it's an interesting segue uh into a scene from Bros uh starring Billy Eichner when he is at the gym. Pretends to be kind of like more butch than he really is and hits it off with the sexy guy. And then they're in bed together and then the purse falls out. I mean, it it's certainly a thing. It, it's I mean, I think and that's a running theme in bros is like there's a lot of moments of like, oh, yeah, that's a thing. That's a thing. That's a thing. Yeah. There were lots of things that were brought up, for sure. Movies that I think could have just been made from all of the things, right? Mm-hmm. It's, it's a, as if this was kind of like a uh, – you could expand this into a, a season of television. Easily. Sure. Easily. Yeah, yeah, you know? where like the whole episode is about the code switching that gay men do with each other, which connects with what LaPhil was talking about on this week's episode of Drag Race UK season four of it's hard to date in the gay community if you're femme. Well, and I think it's hard to date in the gay community, period. Oh, is know? it? <laughs> uh, well, I mean, yeah, man, it's like. That's my experience. Uh, no, I I think it's hard to date in the gay community, period. But I feel like what Bros was trying to say was like, here's also why it's hard for the Luke McFarlands of the gay community. The oasis at the, of the seas, gay Norwegian cruise uh, attendees of the mm. gay community. I feel like it was trying to also represent, well, here's how that factors in to maybe a narrative a lot more people are familiar with, which is the, like, Billy Eichner character story of, mm-hmm. like, you know, well, this is what I am, and, and I'm too much of this and not enough of that, and, you know, kind of always trying to be more of one thing and less of another, depending on who he's interacting with. Yeah, it often changes, right? It's almost, uh, there's a lot of pleasers. Uh, there's mm-hmm. a lot of insecurity and lack of authenticity because we're afraid of being authentic because then it'll just get rejected. Yeah, I mean, I you know, it, it's oversimplifying, but I know that I can at least say for my experience and so many other people, it's like, well, when you go through literally years of like, oh, I know like a core part of me is not, is needs to be hidden and like will be ridiculed and is ridiculed and has been and like blah, blah, blah. Like, of 100%. course, as an adult, you're going to continue to process you know, and, and function that way because it, it ties back to your your personal sense of safety. You know, like it becomes like a fucking survival instinct to code switch because, you know, even if it's not life or death, it's rejection or shame, which can feel just as awful, you know? It can feel just as wounding. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it, it ties into a discussion we had on one of our uh, Patreon episodes, on our Only Mary's episodes, just about the idea of like, am I behind? You know, you look mm-hmm. at peers your age, straight people mostly, or some gay people that are just fucking well-adjusted because they grew up thin and, you know, muscular or sporty or masculine or whatever it was, you know. Um, they're just 
they're just more successful. They're more well adjusted. And you look around and you're like, why am I so behind? Why do why do I feel like I'm 10 years behind? Certainly. And like, where is that like, where is that measuring stick that I should be like referring back to? Where is that objective measurement of like what tells me I'm behind? Uh huh. You know, yeah. because like I'm also kind of determining that I'm behind you know, in this kind of fluid state, you know what I mean? Like behind what, where was the beginning and where is the end? Where is know? the fucking beginning? It's interesting, Mary, you're bringing this up because I, I've recently got it. Uh, maybe it's because I shared a house with a financial advisor for a summer, but uh, it recently came to my attention um, <laughs> that, that people should have a certain amount saved up or a, a certain amount invested at a certain age. And so like a quick Google search, you're like, how much money should you have by 40? Right. And it's mm -hmm. like, holy shit. What, when did, when did they learn this at 24 years old? You mm -hmm. know what I mean? When, mm -hmm. why did I not? Right. Is it because I was poor? Was it because I was in the arts or was it because I'm gay and I had so many other things to worry about? Well, and I, I think, you know, the New York part of things is, is significant of like, the idea of home ownership is such a fucking pipe dream here, but somewhere else it's like, you know, when you think about like what we pay in rent, there are people, other places where it's like, Oh, my mortgage is less than that. And mm -hmm. like, and I had to put down way less money, you know, to get the mortgage, you know what I mean? And so it's like, there is also that relative factor of even though salaries are, you know, considered, you know, higher here, it's like, yeah, the cost of living is as well. And so you modify that as well. And I think living in New York or living in any other like expensive city, there's also that of like, to get to like, quote unquote, where I'm supposed to be is a much higher mountain. You know what I mean? If, cause mm. here it's like, oh, I'd love to, you know, own my own home. But what that means in New York is like, oh, I'd love to own a studio in an up and coming neighborhood. And what that means in another city is, oh, I own a th three bedroom house with a lawn, you know? Yeah. But even the, the gay men in New York city, like, I just feel like some of them are more ahead than others, you know? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's maybe, to bring us into bros a little bit, maybe what I wanted even more of was digging into those dynamics of, like, no, really, like, here's even, like, I feel like what, with gay stories, you really don't, I don't... I don't think we get enough of a lens of like the micro class structures, not mm. just like, you know, low income, high income, but like there's all these like floors in between. There's all these micro class structures. There's like, yeah, but where do you spend your summers or yeah, but like, what's your job or like what part of gay culture can you afford to participate in? Are you going to the Met? You know what I mean? Do you believe in all that shit? Like, and I, I know I'm being very New York based about this, but I can only kind of speak from my own experience. Well, the movie's about New York too. So. Yeah, the movie's about New York, so there's also that of like, I don't know. I, like I we're think... also not talking about the other discussions around this film, right? Like, there's so many different discussions that to be had about bros, right? One of them being that it's about you know two relatively attractive, tall white men, and that is another discussion which we're not having today, but it is one that other people are having. You know what I mean? I think that, I mean, there is a ton to say about bros. And I guess, I mean, I feel like we've just kind of, we just kind of dove right into the deep end. But I think yeah. just to kind of bring us to, just to, for the second, for a second, bring us to the surface. Today, we are going to just, 
we, the two of us have not talked about bros with no. each other at all. And so, like, we kind of went into this, like, I don't know what this discussion's going to be because we didn't plan anything. Uh, I've on, only seen it once because it's in the theaters, um, which is a topic. Um, the fact that it's in theaters. Yeah. Uh, I, and I feel like I just, before we even dive into it, I feel like I just need to give, like, an overall qualifier that, like, I liked, but I didn't love bros. Oh, interesting. Okay. I, I really loved bros. I love a rom-com, though. So that's the other thing is like, I love a rom-com and I'm fine with getting teary eyed. I'm fine with getting romantic. I'm fine with the happy ending uh, of sorts. Like, yeah, I love a rom-com. So I love this movie. I love Jennifer Lopez movies. You know what I mean? Like I'm there. <laughs> and I think all of that was, I don't dislike those things. I think all of that was great. I think honestly, I, I came out of the movie feeling like, oh yeah, I really, I really I like that. But then it was like the more I sat with it, the more I talked to people about it. I really think like probably the biggest reason I don't love bros is that so much of it, you know, at least in the marketing or the discussion is about like, you know, the first major studio produced movie about a, you know, a gay, you know, comedy with gay writer, you know, one of the writers is gay, uh, you know, and, and gay cast and like released in theaters. And I feel like none of that is interesting. And as a Netflix movie, I think I would love bros because I don't think any of that shit matters versus just like putting out a good movie. And I think all of that just started to kind of, almost cloud my memory of the movie. I'm like, oh, I kind of forget the parts that I definitely laughed out loud at or felt something for because I keep being reminded that this is groundbreaking. Oh, interesting. I'm, I guess I'm just not, I've, I don't know. I haven't seen any of that. Maybe that's because I'm just not online that much, but like, yeah, I don't, was this ground? That's what people were saying about this movie. Well, that was kind of what the marketing was, or kind of what the like the the big press points were. Was that this was the first major studio film, uh, you know, producing a gay love story and gay gay actors and all of that. And so it was. And then I think even you know secondarily the marketing of like straight people need to go to Bros. You need to show up for Bros. And you're gonna love it. I, I, I kind of was like, yeah, but what. Why? Other than the fact that like there's like IMDb trivia attached to this, there are reasons to see this. There's some really funny jokes. There's some really great sec like sections of this movie, and it is overall like a very satisfying romantic comedy. And I just wish that that was the focus because I think that it doesn't need all this other stuff to distract from that. You know, like the I think the reason that it bombed at the box office, quote unquote, bombed was because like no one's going to pay 18 bucks to go see a romantic comedy. We're so used to just like turning it on, on our televisions, you know? Yeah. How did, uh, what was the, uh, marry me? Was that what it was called? The Jennifer yeah. Lopez one? Yeah. I wonder how it did compared to that. Right. Obviously marry me probably did better because it's a straight film with Jennifer Lopez. Um, but you know what I mean? Like, yeah, rom I have come out in the theater. I think that this got better reviews than Marry Me. I think that was the thing is like this got like really good reviews and people liked it um, or had a lot of positive things to say about it. But it's, you know, I, I, I wonder long term if this, you know, and a lot of other movies can kind of be seen as like 
sort of a decline of going to the movies, you know? Like, I get the appeal of going to see a Marvel movie because of the, like, mm, the visuals sounds, or anything. Yeah, yeah. and all, like, that all makes sense to me. But, like, I only went to see this in the theaters because it was like, well, I, I, I feel like I want to, I really want to see it. But, like, I am such the target audience and we're not the main audience that spends money going to the theaters. I... I don't. I hear. I agree with everything you're saying, Mary. It's just interesting that I'm hearing from you now, like, oh, this was marketed as this. It is an interesting idea of like, all right, get all your your gaggle of gays together and go see Bros together. You know, go on your date night to go see Bros. You know what I mean? Like, when I went to the theater, I went alone, <laughs> um, and it was one of those things where I saw everybody with their best friend or a group of friends and that's who was seeing this movie. It was a Tuesday night and it was sold out. I th Yeah, I think people certainly went, but I think the, the numbers you have to hit, I guess. And like I had right. seen people on Reddit, like in other parts of the country, it was like, yeah, there were five of us in the theater, you know? Wow. So like we're also in New York City. And so yeah. like we are, you know, and I went to see it at like what used to be the Clearview Cinemas in Chelsea is now this like, it wishes it was Alamo Draft House. It was like Sinopolis and like, in Chelsea? In Chelsea. Yeah, yeah. I've, I, my friend Simon brings me there all the time. Yeah. <laughs> I was I, I would because I, I was like, oh, they serve all this food. Oh, you have to order it like where you get the popcorn and then it's going to yes. take 20 minutes. I was like, well, then why do you serve such complicated food? And it was uh, yeah, we had it was fine. The theater itself was fine. But I was like, oh, I think I I was spoiled by Alamo Draft House because sure. they get it right. Yeah, you know? no, it's it's a different thing. Yeah. Um. I yeah. The. What was I going to say? Uh, just about the date night. Oh, the idea that it was that it came out in a theater. I, I do worry that they're just going to use this as an excuse to not make gay rom-coms anymore that go into the theater. You're kind of arguing like movies don't need to go to the theater anymore if they're rom-coms. I I really think is because that's the other part of it. It's like I, 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 I do. I don't think that movies need to go to theaters at all unless there's like like and, and this is one one small simple sandwich man's opinion i i just think that we are seeing with theaters what we saw with video stores and i think the past couple of years really accelerated like oh the power of streaming and reaching audiences that way and how we all got used to that of course because it was mm. so convenient that you start to qualify why you'd go to see a movie in the theaters you know and it becomes about the experience and this is a movie that experience wise I love the idea of being in my living room with my friends, watching it on my couch, and you know we can take a pee break if we want. We can talk about something. You can replay a scene. I think there's a different way of experiencing these kind of movies. It's fun to have a date night at the theaters and whatnot, but I just feel like that that's almost like a a novelty versus like a necessity now. And um, yeah, I don't know. It's just it, it that that's what I felt like that this was almost like a. Um, a casualty of just kind of a, a failing industry, you know? And you wonder, is it, because I feel, I worry that the discussion is, oh, gay movies don't make money. That's what I worry about because Fire Island was fucking phenomenal and it went on Hulu, right? Bros would, we wouldn't even be having the discussion if it went on streaming. I want to talk about if the movie is good. You're saying it wasn't good, uh, or you didn't love it, would you have loved it if it was on streaming? I think that it, you know what it is? I think that there's like, 
I think if it was on streaming, it would almost feel like, oh, that is an appropriate outfit for this event. So it wouldn't stand out to me as like, uh, that doesn't really fit, you know? Whereas I, I, the movie in and of itself, I think is, I, I think is really good. And I think there was maybe a part of me that like had very high expectations that were probably at like a bridesmaids level. And I probably oh. needed to modify that. And maybe there's a part of me that wishes that, this this kind of rose to that level but it had its moments that were bridesmaids level funny for me so i guess it's kind of like the packaging of the movie was a little off-putting but the product mm. itself was was good it was b plus a minus for me yeah I, I i loved the movie because it was a rom-com and it was you know mildly funny what i i liked the most about it was the part of me that it was speaking to not that there was laugh out loud jokes or that anybody was like, you know, really overly attractive or whatever. It, I there were, I laughed sometimes, right? But I, mostly, I was just impressed that we were still having these discussions about the gay community. That we, you know, that you can have one talking about Far Island. You know what I mean? Um, that's what I was most excited about. Uh, and yeah, the marketing of the film off, right? The fact that it wasn't in, that it wasn't streaming and it was put in the theaters. Sure. Off. But I want to talk about the topics in the movie, right? Yeah, certainly. And I, I think it's just the other thing I would just mention is that like, there were certainly new things that they were talking about in this movie, but I, I you know, want to recognize that it's like, when we've had, you know, Fire Island, Queer as Folk, The White Lotus, you know, like this just, you know, the success of All Stars, you know, Seven on Paramount, like things like that most recently, it's like, I'm not worried about gay stories not being told anymore. You know, I just think sure. that like, I I get why that was a concern, but I was like, oh no, like gay content is so fucking successful right now. You know, like The White Lotus had a gay man pooping in a suitcase and look at all the Emmys they won. <laughs> You know? Yeah, I don't see the White Lotus as gay content, though. I, I, I mean, to me, it's almost like post-gay content, where it's not gay content, but oh no, it's got gay content in it. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I, I wonder why then people are fiercely defending this film. Is it because the stars get paid more than they would if it was on streaming? Like, I'm wondering why there is that debate. I and I don't know a lot about this, but I do know that there it it and this may have changed, but I feel like there was an antiquated like model of payment or finances or, or whatever, whether it came to like budgets or payout or whatever for streaming versus theatrical releases. I feel like that is a thing that exists uh -huh. in the world of making movies. And so there is probably that element of like, you know, this being a, a theatrical release probably explains why it had such a big budget. I'm sure, you know, Billy Eichner probably made more because it was a major studio versus an independent film on Hulu. And so like all of that business is probably there and is a bigger iceberg than what we see on the surface. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well then, I mean, add that to a debate that, you know, will I guess continue. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, the movie itself. Yeah. So like the, the story is, uh, I feel like an amalgamation of things that we've talked about, but certainly like Billy playing Bobby, a 40 year old podcaster in New York. Oops. Oops. Uh, who has never been in a, uh, 
really committed relationship, or, you know, where he's really been in love and is, as we've talked about just recently on the Drag Race UK episode, is kind of assembling the life of, of Tapas, where he's got, you know, hookups on Grinder. He's got a nice group of friends. You know, it's like between his friends and his coworkers, everybody checks exactly one box on the diversity list. Uh, and I couldn't tell if that was intentional or not. But, um, you know, it has this, the assembly of a, of a successful life, a successful job, you know, creatively fulfilled, and, you know, has a nice home, all that stuff. But it's like, you know, uh, what if... And, and not really looking for a relationship. And then, you know, at some gay event you know makes eyes with aaron played by canadian born luke mcfarlane who is obscenely beautiful and uh an unlikely love affair blossoms mary one of the things that i know about this movie or your reaction to this movie is that you thought deborah messing was the best part of the movie let's talk about deborah messing yeah no i could certainly say that deborah messing is I feel like she what she's like a um, why she wants is to she, donate to the museum? She wants to donate. That's what she wants to donate to the museum. And so then she comes by one day, irate, and she and Bobby or no, I guess she's not irate at the moment. No, no, uh, no, no. He just kind of like dumps on her all about his relationship woes. Yes, and she's just like, God damn it, I am not. Grace. I am not Grace. I thought she was so funny. Now, I have been having a love affair with Deborah Messing lately because we're doing Smash on Best Supporting Podcast. And she is so good in that show. She is so I, legitimately good in that show. We, we, we fundamentally disagree. I, oh, I, I just, uh, Debbie, Deb is not my cup of tea. I think she is so bland. Oh, my God. I mean, I don't believe a word of her. Yeah. You know what I'm in the middle of. Oh my god, she's such a queen. But so I'm just I'm just loving Debbie in general. And I I love that there is a line in the movie where she's like, "It's Deborah." And I was like, "Oh, we've been saying we've that been since saying before that we years. started this podcast." Yes, yeah. Click. Yes. Yeah. Uh I thought Debbie Messing was great. I thought she was really funny. I think that was I think moments like that is where this movie really shined is kind of like going to that almost like bridesmaids level of absurdity. Mm. Well, yeah, the, the, it's almost like the fourth wall is just kind of like disintegrated. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but she's only in it. Yeah. She's the Beatrice Strait of bros. She's in it for, you know, less than five minutes. Well, can I say who the real Beatrice Strait of bros is? Honestly, it has to be Bowen Yang. Oh, he does have. I mean, yes, certainly the the Fire Island, uh, you know, crossover. Yeah, Bo and Yang as uh, this, you know, somehow. What, what's his What's his character's name? Oh like, God, the millionaire. Yeah, uh, <laughs> uh, something um, grape, something purple. Uh, grape is a good. Is it grape? Is oh Lawrence Grape. Lawrence Grape. Lawrence grape yes, yes, who's a. Um, <laughs> Uh, a wealthy investor in P Town that they meet and uh, and convinced to donate five million dollars and I I think though the whole cast there was a lot of really great little cameos I mean Harvey Firestein I wanted mm -hmm. to spend the whole movie with his character mm -hmm. as this like older guy in P Town that they rent you know they're staying in his house yes. and I was just like oh God this this is an episode of the series of season one is is your weekend in P Town and a long dinner with uh, what's his character's name with Lewis? Lewis? 
That's Harry Firestein's character. Oh, that's his name. Okay. Yeah. Yes. Uh, yes. Uh, agreed. Agreed. You know, I will say, if we're talking about some of the side characters in this movie, um, <laughs> Simone and those two friends and the thruple, it was very funny, right? The the scene where they call up the grandma, you know, like that was oh, funny. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But otherwise, this felt so clunky to me with Simone. The, the two were great. The two were great. Yeah, yeah. It, it, I, I felt like, yeah, it felt like too stunty of the casting. And granted, she's not in drag. No, uh, but it just stood out. I mean, here's the thing: is I, one of my friends, uh, you know, I went to see this with two friends, and we, you know, so we got to talk about it afterwards, and I, and they had similar mixed opinions that obviously, you know, influenced me a bit. But, um, but I agree with them. But he, my one friend, said, I. I feel like we got that scene where he like meets all his friends at dinner and it's like that whole, you know, menagerie of, of queerdom. And I would have loved to know more about how do you know these people? Like, yeah. what is your relationship with them? How are you all connected? You know, like it seems like that one woman, uh, Tina, Tina, he seems to be closer to. And so it's like, okay, so what's that story? What's going Do you, do you know her from college? What's the story? And so I think I wanted, I definitely wanted more of that. Like, of of Bobby's world pre uh pre Aaron. Yeah, uh right, Bobby's world. Sorry, I just Bobby's world. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> Another lesbian mom. Oh yeah. Oh no, Bobby. Oh come on, Bob. Come on. For crying in the mud now. Oh yeah. Uh do you remember that show? Of oh my god, okay. the the little big wheels bike. I'm yes. remembering the opening credits, the Howie Mandel of it all. Oh no, yes. my my brain is exploding right now. That's what any silence is here. Oh my god. Um yeah, no, you're right. Like finding out how that all came to be. Was it the podcast or is it just this his obsession with just LGBTQ plus history, you know what I mean? Um, and he's just able to has has found this world. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I think that that's, you know, again, like I'm also I'm coming at this from a lens of like I'm a 37 year old white gay male podcaster in New York uh, who is single and making a life out of tapas. You know, like I so I am more aware of like, oh, no, you could burrow into this and burrow into this. And I want to know or I just want to even less than that or more than that. I I want to marinate in what the life of that person looks like longer. You know what I mean? Mm. And and really like the nuances of it. Like we've talked about this appropriately enough when we talked about that gay Christmas movie that I think no Luke McFarlane was not in. It was the other gay guy. Um, remember there was some Hallmark Christmas Jonathan movie. Jonathan Bennett. Yeah, maybe that's what it was. But we, whatever episode it was where we talked about the, the, the setup. Yeah. The setup. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And when we talked about like the the whole coming home for Christmas, uh-huh. hooking up on Grinder, yes, trying right. to sneak the out of the house. Ups. Yes. Uh huh. Uh-huh. And it's yeah. like I. So it's I, not. It's not Jonathan Bennett. I guess their names are uh, Blake Lee and Ben Lewis. Yeah. Uh, them. Yeah. yeah. Anyway. Uh, but Jonathan Bennett was in one as well. I know that. Yeah, he was. And uh, anyway, keep talking. Anyway, the point being is that like I wanted to like they we sh- we see a little of it when he has that hookup with that guy who, you know, they, they like he jerks off the on Christmas him and then he house. leaves. Sorry. Yes. Keep going. Oh, the Christmas house. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I I liked that we saw an example of that. But like 
Oh, actually, I'll say this. One of the things I loved that I'm glad they showed was when he talked about the walk home from a hookup mm. and that like high that you're on and kind of like marinating in that feeling. It was like that. That is a perfect example of what I wanted, like, I, or what I would have enjoyed even so much more of because that's the reality. Not all this other like you know, sort of whatever straight people know about bottoms thing. I don't care about that. I like this reality of like, no, this is a really specific thing that tell them, Billy, you know, remind me what this didn't the hookup. Why am I reminded that like the hookup didn't go well? It didn't go well. And so I don't remember, maybe this was a hookup he had with somebody else. I just know that there was a walk home after a hookup where he walks past the Met. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, yeah, right, 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 right. And I like, remember that part, but I don't remember the hookup, which is what's so funny, right? Well, yeah, because it's like <laughs> the hookup is like, or if, if it's the one I'm thinking of where, you know, he's like, hey, what's going on? Hey, you looking? And then he like comes over to the guy's house, takes his shirt off, and then the guy just like jerks off next to him and comes That's on That's what him. it is. Okay, yeah. that, okay, great. Yeah. Okay, it comes on, um, exactly. Right, yeah. and then it's like, oh. Do you, you want to come? Do you want to come? Yeah, I'm right. good. Yeah, yeah. And so all of that is is like, I like that because it, it felt like without putting like derpy music on it, I felt like they were really telling like, yeah, these interactions, like these bad sex moments happen all the time. Mm. Yeah. Bad sex it, with strangers, I should say. Bad sex with strangers. Yeah. They're never going to see each other again. No. Yeah. yeah they're never going to see each other again. Yeah. And correct me if I'm wrong, but Billy's like, okay with this world, right? He's that's, like kind of okay with it. Well, yeah, and I, I, I think that's really interesting that it's like, and this is okay. And, and I think it's important to say that it can be okay. I think as a gay man who is considering this as like a very realistic reality, because I feel like, I, I don't know, I'd have to really meet the right person uh, to go down that path. But I, and maybe what I've, I could see even in, in this season one of Bros, the TV show, is really more of a discussion of like, my biggest fear is not ending up without a husband at the end of my life. I just don't want to be alone. I don't want to just be like withering away in an apartment. You know what I mean? I don't want to have, you know, so it's like that to me feels like the bigger concern. And maybe that's why I'm more interested in his like community around him. Cause mm -hmm. that's really like what to me as a nearly 40 year old gay man in New York feels like the top priority is not like meeting the man of your dreams, but just like making sure you've built a community around you that isn't, in, inherent because you didn't get married and have kids, you know? Yeah, no, I, I totally get that. It, uh, when I, I think in contrast though, right, you go to Luke McFarlane's character and it's a world that I have so many questions about a world that I don't understand. Right. This idea of like, if you're that gorgeous, first of all, you sign on to the app and it's like, just take your pick. You know, it's like you have a million messages. It won't take long. You have a couple that wants to have sex with you at the end of the night, but you're not going to even talk to each other until later. You know, mm -hmm. um, that that whole storyline of like, oh, yeah, no, there's this couple and, you know, they, they, they were going to sleep together later. And it that's just that's just like a normal night. Uh, they're all standing there shirtless. Right. Like this is a lifestyle. It is. So and I've, I I two thoughts about that i when when and we talked about this on the drag race uk episode of like i'd watched some re, you know youtube videos about gay cruises you know and i and a lot of these kind of like you know circuit boys are certainly a big 
part of that population and there would be these you know big parties where it's just like a, a coliseum in the middle of the of the ship of shirtless men in harnesses and clack fans bobbing yeah, around poppers yeah yeah mm-hmm. and there's that part of me that's like but aren't you guys bored eventually? And it was like, I was talking to my friend about it. He's like, there's a lot of drugs. Like you got to understand, yeah, like there's, there's a, a lot, lot of drugs. drugs. Yeah. And um, so I look at all that and there's, and I'm like, oh, God, I, I can't even, I, I don't even know what it feels like to be in the midst of all of that. And like, and to, and I think it's not all sunshine and lollipops. I think there's, I was talking about this with my friends as well, where it was like, yeah, but a lot of these guys are looking around, hoping they're getting noticed, counting how often they get cruised, noticing when no one's looking at them, feeling insecure. Like, you know, there's so much, unless you're really like high on G, like you're not like having the kind of blissful euphoria that's being performed on Instagram at all times. The other side of all of this is that, and I don't, I don't say this to kind of shut things down, but just say what, you know, what's the other factor here is I know a lot of guys who don't look like Luke McFarlane who are having that kind of life who are like, yeah, we're hooking up with this couple later. Oh yeah. I'm meeting up with this guy. And they're, and they're hooking up with guys who look like all, who look like Luke McFarlane, who look like Billy Eichner, who look like Guy Branham. And so I feel like to just reduce it to, or to just you know, to, uh, condense it to being like conventionally hot and muscly and white and straight acting is certainly a popular flavor, but is clearly not the only entree to that lifestyle. You know, I, I, I guess I, yeah, I don't, I don't even follow that, that, that line of thinking because I don't know those people. And I, I feel like they, I, seeing examples of that knowing people who are like that seeing it happen it's like it defies my expectation because i create certain limits or ideas of like who basically who would fuck who you know what i mean it's like uh you act like dating or hooking up is like a game of guess who and it's like oh do these qualities match that picture you know Mm. and i'm frequently surprised when that doesn't play out and i I'm not saying that to look like Aaron's character or to be among that sort of circuit boy looking world isn't what we think it is. I'm just wondering what are the, then the fact that it doesn't only happen with guys who look like that, then it must be about something more than that, you know? And I think confidence, I think um, sometimes shamelessness, sometimes just like going for it. Sometimes I wonder, you know, it's some people who are like, I don't care about rejection. I'm just going to fucking go for it. Well, how many times does it actually result in making a connection? You know? Yeah, no, you're right. Uh, Eventually it it will, right. It might work, especially if you like lead with a dick pic, right. Or, 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 you know, you have a nice, butt. you know, you lead with like the best, thing that is currency on those apps right uh but there is a lifestyle that i think is just foreign to me and i think what it sounds like is sort of foreign to billy where it's like yeah uh i just have group sex all the time or i'm yeah i'm always having sex i'm just always doing it i'm always going out and i and i that's the lifestyle that i have right because it doesn't sound like luke even had close friends right i don't think we really see friends in his life i feel like that's you know we we see people that he hooks up with and like his old high school friend you know or Mm, his old hockey friend who comes Uh back into town but like we don't really see like who's his who are his best friends you know what i mean who are who is he talking to about this relationship you know 
one of the things that struck me as very rom-commy that I don't know always plays out is somebody like Luke, uh, what's his character's name? Aaron, Aaron. Um, who is attracted to Billy um, because Billy is doing something important, right? He's doing something important in the world and will like leave his stamp on the world, right? And he is inspired by that and is admires that and likes that. And therefore, Aaron, uh, you know, he confides in him and they have sex and they're, you know, then they start dating and they fall in love. To me, that is the most rom-com thing about it because I don't think that's very real. Is that me being a jaded gay guy? I think it sounds a little jaded. I do. I'm, And I am not a romantic. Look, I'm not coming up as like, oh my God, love could... No, love could show its ugly face anywhere, sure. And like, <clears throat> you know, I I guess it's like... If Bobby looked different, I don't think Aaron would have w- would have been that inspired. <laughs> I mean, I think it, it is a... I think that it's a device that works, even if it might not... I mean, how often do things happen in, in romantic comedies that would happen in real life anyway? Sure. But I, I think what this is trying to say is that like and billy is not an un you know is not a not good looking guy he you right. know he, he's just not the aaron type um but i think the the message seems to be that it is about you know being attractive is about being more than just like looking a certain way it's yeah. like if, you know billy is very assertive and uh is very driven and i think that those qualities are inherently attractive and i feel like you know, it, equally, if somebody like looked like Luke McFarlane, but he was like always whining and complaining, and was always kind of like, you know, uh, I want to make chocolates. I always yeah. want to make chocolates. I just need to tell my story. If he it's was Zillowette, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I wonder. <laughs> there's definitely a, a scene where he sort of surprised Bottoms later, and I was like, oh, relax, it's just chocolate, you yeah, know. It's just chocolate. Um, sure. You know, I, I, I don't know, I. That was one of the things I'll say at the same time that was a little distracting. I was like, okay, but Luke McFarlane's character is so, like, hallmark Christmas movie level attractive that it even with the points you're trying to make about different attract attraction points, I'm still distracted by the fact that this man is an is an Adonis. You know, mm, interesting. Yeah, I, I I don't have anything to add to that. <laughs> well, I think as a point of comparison, like look at a movie that is obviously much sillier, but is sort of a a, a gay rom com. Adam and Steve, mm-hmm. those two, they're good looking guys, but neither of them am I like distracted by to the point of like, oh, this this could never happen, or I'm I'm just fantasizing about this happening to me now because he's so pretty. Uh-huh. I feel like I I believe the love story that develops because I'm not you know, looking at it as the cover of a romance novel, you know? Yeah. You know, it's interesting because it is set up that like Luke really likes Bobby because he's outspoken because he's putting a stamp on the world. And then it goes back to like LaPhil's conversation because when push comes to shove, Bobby is excessively outspoken, right? He's a lot, especially when it comes to talking about LGBTQ plus history and gay rights and whatever. And that becomes like, the breaking point for them, they have a fight because Bobby is told by Aaron to to cool it, to tone it down in front of his parents. And it, I don't know. I find this to be an interesting discussion because it's like, uh, who is wrong? 
I mean, it's tough because, I mean, objectively, like the sort of, you know, 64,000 foot view is like, no, Billy should be allowed, or Bobby, same thing, should be allowed to be himself. And like, that's important. But like, I can't say I haven't been in Aaron's position where I'm like, it's my mom. Could could y'all just like tone it down a little? Like, I get that. I also understand. And I don't think I would ever say that to a boyfriend or a partner or anything like that. I might say it to like when my mom came to see my volleyball game. I was like, if you guys could just like not be super filthy in front of my mother, that would be great. You know, like that's a different story. Yeah. I And you also wonder is how sensitive was Bobby being, right? Because he also like wasn't reading the room. And then he took this as, oh, you're not attracted to me. Well, and it's also like it, he was being a little excessive. It was also like, dude, relax. Yeah, let it go. Like, yeah. let it go. This is not a Twitter war with your boyfriend's mother. You know, I do think you got to know what hills to die on. And I think that that is something that I would maybe say, like, the movie is very much a platform for Billy Eichner to monologue, you know, and to mm. kind of like do talk about certain things. You know, his character gets to do it and then he gets to do it. And I, I think that it's off-putting when the character does it. It's also off-putting when the movie does it. You know what I mean? Like, it is an off-putting quality, and par- there's the one part of me that's like, well, good, keep it off-putting. Have him be too much even for us. Like, let it be that authentic. But at the same time, it could also feel like, okay, we're like an hour and 20 minutes, and we've we've had the I get it, you're not attracted to me conversation four times now, you know? But that's a real thing, right? Especially if you're dating mm-hmm. somebody like Luke. I just think it was like we had they they circled back to that to the same part of that conversation the same time, like multiple times, and I was uh-huh. like, well, where else could we go with that conversation? Because that's like a Neil Abute play, you know what I mean? That's a reason to. That's be a pretty. reference I don't understand. What does that mean? Okay, so there's well, uh, Neil Neil Abute wrote The Shape of Things. Oh, with uh, I I saw the movie. Yes. Yeah, with Paul Rudd. Yeah, yeah. Rachel oh Weiss, god, that ending is brutal. <laughs> yeah. So he wrote a play called Reasons to Be Pretty, which is, and he does this where like it's basically that the characters are two couples, you know, two men, two women, and I think Reasons to Be Pretty is about this guy who starts dating this woman who is not she's not pretty she's not conventionally pretty and it's kind of like I think his friend questioning him of like why are you really with her you know she's not pretty. Or something like that, but it's just calling out essentially what might be getting called out here of like, objectively, you're not attracted to me. What's going on here? You know? Mm, But that's also really myopic to, because like, you know, who's to say, like, I think there's this assumption that many people, including myself, make that like is only attracted to like. Well, that's what we're conditioned to believe on the apps, Mary. And I think that like, it's but it's false. It's all false. And I think the people that, you know, are same for same muscle mask, you know, 10,000 foot dick, blah, blah, blah. I think are allowed minority the same way that like right wing mm. extremists are allowed minority. Sure. We hear it and we see it. But most of us don't actually know people like that in real life and don't inter- like mo- most of the people I talk to and I know and I see in reality are not that. And also, the guys on the apps who were putting those profiles out there are not that either. It's a fucking performance. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, uh, you know, the apps are just not for me. I've, I've discussed that at nauseum at this point, but uh, I just don't, 
Yeah, nobody wants to meet on those apps. That's really what I, that's been my experience. I know that's a common experience. I know, and I also understand that what you're saying now is the opposite of what I feel. So it's just two different experiences. What, that, that in terms of meeting or like, liking, like seeking like? Um, like seeking like and then meeting, right? I can't seem to meet anybody on the apps, on those apps, um, because I don't look a certain way. Does that make sense? I yes, I get what you're saying, um, and I'm not being argumentative. I just I feel like there are all kinds of guys on the apps who meet people. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. But I wouldn't. Uh, my lack of meeting people on those apps aside, it. I don't think I would meet the the guys that are you know thin with abs or with muscles. Does mm -hmm. that make sense? Because I don't have those things. They specifically want guys with muscles or guys that have gym bodies. You know. Yes, and I'm I I think I guess what this movie is trying to say or the idea is that like not all muscle guys are looking for muscle guys. Even the guy that Billy hooks up with at the gym is like way more fit than Billy mm. is, you know? Mm -hmm. And like I I do appreciate that like certainly Billy is, you know, Bobby is is, you know, a, a trim little piece um and you know, is white and tall and all that. But like he's also a little nebbish and he's also a little like, you know, uh, you know, uh not not the ideal, you know what I mean? I feel like he's a little, sli a little, a little too slim. Some people would say if they were measuring him against a, a Luke McFarlane, you know what I mean? He's not the ideal. He's certainly not. Um, you yeah, know. not Colton Underwood. He's right? not exactly, yeah. Which no. was a really great parody in this movie of the, oh, the guy yes. that comes yeah. out. He's like, "Thank you so much." You know, it's been such a struggle to be hot and closeted, right? Right. Uh, I'm really inspired by Colton Underwood. Yeah. yeah. Right. I mean. Uh. <laughs> Jokes like that or like, you know, the app Zellweger that's just for guys who want to talk about actresses and mm, go to bed. I was uh -huh. like, where do I fucking invest? Sure. That sounds like literally all I want. You know, I'll figure out the rest somewhere else. Yeah. I mean, similar to Fire Island, there were a, a lot of details in this movie that I love that were better than the movie, you know? Yeah. I mean, I think that uh, the, you know, the, I to me, like the sort of uncut scene or the, you know, single, you know, uh, they didn't cut away from, from Bobby doing poppers. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And it felt so deliberative, like let's really show someone doing poppers in a mainstream movie in the theaters. Mm. And like, I, I, I can get together with that. I appreciate that. I feel like otherwise the sex scenes were wildly unrealistic, but um, you know, I just I, like, or I feel like they were, they were kind of making a joke of the sex scenes versus actually yeah. just doing a full sex scene. Yeah. You're right. You're absolutely right. There was actually not, it was very Judd Apatow. There wasn't a lot of like sex, sex, right. Where, you know, you see the side, butt and you see the silhouette and you know, yeah, you just, it wasn't really ever like that. It didn't really ever go there. Uh, which yeah. is kind of unfortunate. And yeah. they still would kind of do the just like thrusting under the sheets, you know uh -huh. what I mean? And yeah. it's like, and in that position, Please. you're not getting into that butthole. There's no. no way that Luke McFarland is getting fucked that easily. I, uh, <laughs> yeah, I was like, this is wildly unrealistic. <laughs> uh, I did like the, the group sex scene. They went on like that first date that had the group sex scene. I thought that was a nice little punchline. Um, oh yeah, and then Billy's just like, "I'm gonna leave." Okay, I'll, I'll see you. Good to meet you. Yeah, you know? I, I, I think they navigated some interesting things of like that. 
certainly, you know, a lot of relationships can start with like, oh yeah, it was a hookup. We met at a sex party, we met at a bathhouse. Like that is a, a root story for a lot of couples. And then I like that later in the movie when they got together and they like explore the idea of being open and then they have sex with that guy. Mm. And like, and Billy's like, oh, uh, or Bobby, I keep saying Billy, but it really does feel like the same thing. Um, like, oh, this this doesn't work. And I think they navigated that in, in a unique way of like, that is a question that comes up. Certainly I would feel like, you know, it's an assumed no with a lot of straight couples, but with gay couples, I feel like that is always a thing. It's like, okay, so are we open or closed and how open are we? And what are the boundaries? And like, yeah, it's it, a healthy thing to talk about for sure. Yeah. yeah. But a, a tricky one. And I think that like, Very, yeah, and nuanced. you can, and you mm-hmm. can think in the moment, Oh yeah, that's going to be so hot. Let's hook up with him. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, I have a lot of feelings right now. Yeah, a lot of insecurities come up because mm-hmm. they also had a relationship before, you know, and mm-hmm. he also knew that he had a crush on him when he was growing up. Like, there were a lot of facts that I think went into that. And if mm-hmm. it had been just any other rando, it might have gone differently, you know? Yeah, like, I really, I, I think one of the nuances I really, I knew and I experienced and I, like, was happy to see was that, like, without like hitting it over the head, they show Billy or Bobby, you know, uh, watching Aaron and this guy like really get into it and kind of get one-on-one and very Uh like all of a sudden, like Billy's not really in the room. And I think that's the thing that's threatening is like, Oh, I don't the, like if it was like, Oh, let's just like fuck this blindfolded anonymous bottom. And there's kind of a who cares quality, but when it's like, Oh, there could be a moment where you're, emotionally connecting with someone in front of me, that's Mm. so much more painful. And that's the stuff that makes me feel like, oh, I can't do that, you know? Yeah, I feel like there has to be uh, an internal discussion and then also one with the person that you're dating of like, yeah, there's going to be moments where you're just watching and Mm -hmm. uh, they're experiencing somebody else while you're there, you know? Uh, And yeah, it will feel... because. Three is hard sometimes, you know, it doesn't have to be, but sometimes three is hard because you will break off into two and sometimes it will never go the other way. You know, it won't mm-hmm. always be an equilateral, uh, equilateral triangle. Yeah, I, I, I think that's a, a very tricky scenario. I kind of feel like even numbers is probably a safer bet. You know what mm. I mean? Six is better than three. Ooh, Mary. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you know, this is a free episode. Oh, right. <laughs> hey, Mary's. <laughs> Uh. Uh, so you're saying six is better than seven? Okay. Well, you know, hey, I, I got the time if seven wants to come over. You Somebody know? needs to film it. Yeah, right? Exactly. Uh, Somebody has to open this popper's bottle. My hands are covered in lube. You know, uh, what's an interesting uh, discussion I learned this summer, but maybe we talked about this on an Only Members episode or not, but like, these hot guys like Luke McFarland that have OnlyFans accounts perhaps uh, always talk about collabs. It's like, oh, uh-huh. yeah, I'm doing a collab later. Yeah, but it's it's kind of the same way people do like, oh, we're making a YouTube video together mm-hmm. or yeah. we're gonna, I'm going to go on that person's podcast. Right, right, exactly. Oh, I'm flying to Seattle and we're doing a collab and then yeah. I'm going to see my, my best friend in the whole world. We're going to hike, you know, Mount Olympus. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's that it's a... I mean that all of that. I can't remember if we've talked about this maybe in a previous Only Marys, but I feel like there is this sort of, and I can't tell 
what's going on underneath the surface or like what the inner internal monologue is, but there is that kind of almost almost performative blase like oh yeah i'm gonna go to seattle we're gonna do, I'm gonna do a collab and i'm gonna see my friends and we're gonna you know it's so like oh not a big deal it is right, a big I have a go deal see. yeah it is yeah a big deal. it yeah. is a big deal you're getting filmed while having really amazing sex knowing that people are masturbating watching you i just i think that is such a, <laughs> That's big, a huge thing <laughs> right like it's this nbd energy that people mm. bring to this stuff that i think is the most and this goes beyond gay men and sex this is like people like there are you know those sort of people in new york who are like yeah like i just like did brunch at soho house like no big deal it's like stop the reason you're talking about it tells me it is a big deal to you like, you're not fooling me. Oh, it's wow. a big yeah, no, deal to you. It's so true. I mean, there is the argument with the collabs to, like, just, like, normalize it, right? Because it is a form of sex work, and it's just like, mm -hmm. yeah, we're just normalizing it. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm going to go do this, and then blah, blah, blah. It's like, okay. I think there's normalizing it, and I think that's great. I feel like there is, in the same way that, like, going to college, like, college life kind of hides alcoholism because of the culture of, of partying and frat parties and all that shit. And I think the extent to which the label of we're sexually free and liberated, the extent to which that hides sexual addiction in the gay community is like obscene. And uh, like, I'm not casting judgments. I'm not saying that I'm immune to this or have not questioned this in myself. It's the only reason I talk about it is like, this whole thing, this whole performative, like, yeah, we're free. We can have sex with anybody is a really like easy way to disguise. Like, yeah, my biggest focus is just getting laid. Cause I just need to fill the fucking void every day. Yeah. It's, uh, God, it's, I haven't gone deep with somebody that really does that. You know what I mean? That, I, I, yeah. I wonder if there's more there is what I mean. I, I definitely have friends where I feel like, sex for them is it, it's like a thing that they need to cross it's like working out like i gotta i gotta get it in i gotta work out i you know i gotta go meet up with this bottom and it's always that kind of that kind of way of talking about it oh yeah i'm like fucking this bottom later and again it's a way of acting like it's not a big deal but it's like well no it clearly is a big deal it's really important to you that i know you're having sex because you need to be seen as a sexually active person so you feel mm. valid that is Th yes, that is, uh, I think, a big thing. Um, I think it also depends on the person because it, well, no, I think the way you're putting it, Mary, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, it, I'm certainly thinking of specific people, but I've met a lot of specific people that it's like they're high schoolers who just got their first hand job and they just want everyone to know like, oh no, I'm not really a virgin anymore. Like, it's like grown fucking men who are just like, yeah, I mean, you know, just being a whore, no big deal. <laughs> Ask me about it. You know what I mean? You know, just grow I, up. I, you know, I'm not, I, again, this is not meant to be argumentative, but I do feel like there is another way to just like read that, which is like, oh, okay. And have it not bother you. You know what I mean? Because it does sound like it, it, it just more bothers you with how, they're that that they're choosing to talk about it with you uh in, and you're reading into why they are instead of they're just they're just fine with it you know i i think i'm thinking of certainly someone very specific when okay. i talk about this and yeah. i've had enough exposure to it i'm like no i know exactly what this is mm -hmm. because also there was a there is a version of myself maybe in my 20s that was doing the same shit that like i know what this is like i'm not i'm I know exactly what this behavior is. I'm not projecting. I'm just picking up like a, a 
a scent that I have smelled before, you know? And yeah, it's, it's the specificity of what they're going to do or that he's yes. a bottom. I get uh-huh. all of that. Yeah. And I, I also have been in spaces where it's like, Oh yeah. You know, I, I, uh, when I was blah, 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 I hooked up with this guy last night, yada, yada, yada. I just don't think I don't, I don't know. I don't take pause to that. You know, I think what it is is like, why are you telling the story? I think if it's like, oh, so what did you do last night? And it's like, oh, you know, I actually met up with this guy. We hooked up. You're talking about what you did last night. But an, an example is yesterday. You know, I saw this friend yesterday and we were talking about something. I don't know. Maybe I think we were. No, because he didn't see bros, but it it seems related because it's Barbara Streisand related. And, you know, the guy who had the Barbara Streisand poster in his in his uh, oh, yeah. apartment. <laughs> so I guess he was talking about like maybe some hookup that was like, oh, that's what it was. So he he somehow this was relevant, but he was like, oh, yeah, you know, it reminds me of this. You know, it was like the first time I ever really hooked up with this like really like really muscly guy. He's like Latin guy. And he like played Barbara Streisand's when we hooked up. What was the Latin muscle part? How is that relevant to the Barbara Streisand? What you want me to know about is that some muscly Latin guy wanted to fuck you. Yeah, right. And that makes you good enough. He was coloring the story. Yeah, Yeah, that makes you good enough, you know? Um, And I just, I call it out because I'm not saying that every time people talk about their hookups that it's all like this, but I think we we wave this flag of sexual liberation and it mm-hmm. covers up the addiction to validation. Yes, Mary, that is the that is the thesis of this conversation for sure. Cuz the other thing I was going to say is like it, clearly this bothers you, right? And it sounds like you know what I mean? Like clearly that bothers you. It sounds like that's more specific to this person and pulling back that is also what this is an example of, right? There, that there mm-hmm. is that idea of like, oh no, I'm a sexually liberated gay. I can talk about all the guys that I fucked and yada, yada, yada. It's like, well, wait a second. Do we talk about why you're fucking all of these people? Or, because mm-hmm. uh, the, the response is like, well, it doesn't matter. It's like, well, okay, it doesn't matter, but also, but you're sharing it with me. So it matters a little bit. Yeah. yeah. And I think what bothers me, certainly with this specific situation, is that I feel manipulated. I feel like I'm being treated like an audience that's being shown the applause sign, you know? Yeah, that sounds very specific to this friend, from what I remember you telling me about this friend, for sure. I think it is, and I also think it's not unique to him. Sure. No, no. no. This is not an isolated incident, but I am very much experiencing a very, like, I'm experiencing this person's version of it. But I've seen this, and, and, like, honestly... Twitter porn is so much of this. And like, I think that it's so much of just like getting the attention, getting the validation. Look at me. I'm the hottest one. I'm taking the most loads. And like, this isn't coming from like, Oh, I feel like, why isn't it me? Nobody wants me. Like it's none of that. It's, it's more of like, I see what you're doing and I don't like the act, Mm. you know? Um, I just see it. uh, Kind of, I mean, a related conversation very related. I, I don't want to make it seem like it's I'm talking about the same type of person. But I have a friend, uh, a good, very good friend of mine, and we do like to talk about sex together. And we like to talk about our hookups sometimes because, I don't know, I, I, wanna, I, I also want to have somebody that I reflect with. You know, I do want to, like, talk about it with somebody because sometimes they don't go well or sometimes they go really well and you know it's there I do think it's okay to have people in your life though that you're like 
girl, I have to tell you about what just happened to me. You know what I mean? No, of course. I think that's so normal. I think when we go back to the scene in Bros where he has this weird hookup that is so like, it's such a mix of intimate and and impersonal it's helpful to have people in your life to kind of come back to home base and go okay it's like the weirdest hookup i walked in yeah Yeah, let me just process this but that's so different the intention's different the intention is to process what happened i kind of feel like i can tell when it's different when you talk about a hookup and you talk about something other than the sex because that's what's interesting about hookup stories is when it's beyond the norm reaction Uh yeah when it's like oh my god i walked in and his dog was crazy or we could hear the neighbor the whole time Mm. or uh, turns out he really wanted to wear diapers during sex and I wasn't ready for that. Like those are interesting details, but when it's just like, and then he whips out this eight and a half inch dick and you're like, that's pretty specific, honey. Like, Sounds like I'm reading Penthouse Magazine right now. You well, know? sometimes those details are fun. I don't know. I guess it just depends on the friend because you the understand context. the context. And yeah. the context, like, yeah. I think like if you, I don't know, I love cruising stories. I love when I hear about stories of people that have sex that they didn't meet on the app, right? So I love to know how that starts. I love to know like, you know, how long did it take before y'all decided to drop trow or... You know, who joined in five minutes or who joined after 10 minutes and then, you know, the other one went away. Like, I, I, I don't know. I like uh, hearing about other people's experiences with that um, because I can learn something. Right. I, it's it's fascinating to me just in terms of human socialization. Uh, I, I don't know. That's kind of where I go and why I don't mind sometimes the details uh but you're right the context definitely matters and who it is definitely matters if somebody is like proclaiming it at sunday brunch i think that is a very specific uh demographic Mm -hmm. it's all about context it's all about yeah because i i am certainly not a prude when it comes to details like none of that's the none of that is an issue it really is you know set and setting i suppose have you told this friend like hey i don't really want to hear about that oh it, i mean that's a boy like that is a journey i feel like you know it, it i also can tell that like the, the problem with him is that like and i think maybe what also frustrates me is like i would i would like for him to be someone that i could have one of those healthy like this you know oh god guess what happened conversations and i've had those conversations with him in the past and it's like you know, it's nice to have that connection, but I also know now, I don't, I don't, and I just, I feel it so much now that like the moment I start talking about an experience I had or something that I, you know, relates to me, he's not participating in that conversation. He is quickly shuffling his cards to figure out how to make it about him. Oh, well that, yeah, that's a very specific friend that, you know, it sounds like not a match. Oh, it's just, yeah, that's a whole other, I, I keep forgetting this is a free episode. So, uh, yes. yeah, this is an Only Marys. We're just doing an Only Marys on the free feed. But uh, we could know. make this an Only Marys, you know? No, we I don't care. He's not, he's not going to listen. It's fine. And if he did, he wouldn't get an hour in. So we're fine. Um, it, you know, it, it is. I'm, I'm very much reacting to something very specific in my life, but it doesn't, it, it's, it's highlighting something I feel, you know, is a common theme, but certainly like your mileage may vary with a different friend. 
Yeah, I'm trying to relate this back to bros. How did we get onto this topic? Well, you know what? Here's a here. You know what? To bring it back to bros, I think we see a very similar kind of conversation that we're talking about between Bobby and Guy Branham's character. Oh God, how much do I love Guy Branham? Yeah, when he was like, so I hooked up with this guy and he wanted to pee on me, and then Bobby's like, so what did you do? He's like, what else was I doing? Sure. <laughs> and I think that is so funny of like those situations where it's not, oh God, he wanted to do this, and it's just like. All right, well, we're here. Yeah, let's try it. You know, like I thought that was really funny and a really healthy example of these kinds of conversations. Sure. Yeah. No, Guy Branham, I wanted more. Yes. I was like shocked to see he was third build. I was like, he's in two scenes. You know, I I would have loved a lot more of like a walk and talk with Bobby and Henry, you know, or just like, I don't know, a B storyline. Yeah, yeah, just to be big in the dating scene. Well, you know? yeah, and so how it's also not that taboo. You know what I mean? And they show him as someone who is having sex, who yes. is hooking up. He's not the like celibate fat friend, right. you know, uh, or the complaining one. You know, yeah, nobody likes me. Whatever. He's. I feel like he's the one who is like in. He's who set up this event where Bobby and Aaron meet. So mm-hmm. he's also like a successful, confident gay in the world. And I, I, again, would have loved a season of television of this and just spent a whole episode on Henry's life, you know? Yeah, or it just being a B storyline yeah, throughout just, the season, yep, you know? Yeah, but like, let me, see, let me see him, you know, on a date. Let me see him get peed on, you know? Yeah, you know, it's one thing that is sort of missing in gay stories, right? If we're talking about the big, capital G gay stories in Fire Island or Bros or Christmas Setup or whatever, anything streaming, um, even fucking Queer as Folk, the reboot or the old one. I just, there's no big people. There's, it's just not a thing. It was a storyline in Fire Island that I thought was jumbled and like shoved under the rug. Um, and I just, I, oh, I don't know. Right. God, it, it, boy, isn't that telling that I was like, there's a big character in bro or in yes. Fire, Fire Island, but no, I, I certainly remember. Um, yeah, I, I mean, that is certainly, you know, it, it makes me think about, there was that movie Bear City. Like, a uh, That's the ago. only one I can think of. And yeah. Mary, it's not even big people in that movie. It's no. like hot bear dads, hot bear dads. And then like the guy's a little chunky. Yeah. I, yeah. The main kid is just like. Thick. I'm like, oh, and gorgeous. Yeah, yeah. It's like, you are like, you're like the gay ideal these days. You're like thick and white. You know what I mean? Right. Uh, it's like, right. this is what they're looking for now. And keep you warm at night. You know? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Help you change a tire. Yeah. yeah. Right. Um, and so, yeah, I, I, I certainly that is, uh, I would love to see. I mean, it's kind of like we talked about either maybe the beginning of this episode or, or, after the UK one, but that this new lesbian bar project. Mm. And I know there's been the L word and whatnot. I thought that lesbian stories have never been told, but there is that feeling of like, there are ongoing gay stories that just continue to not kind of get highlighted. And so, you know, it's like, yeah, we've actually had a lot of gay stories with like lots of fit white people. So like, if you really want to be revolutionary, how, you know, what else could we do? You know what I mean? Yeah, how about show ugly people dating? Uh, you know what I mean? I don't know. Show, like, I mean, I've always thought about this, and I this is, like, it's, if there was, this is very specific, but, like, I picture this, like, gay Dungeons & Dragons group that meets in one guy's basement somewhere in, like, 
let's just Indiana, Ohio, North Dakota, somewhere that's Portland, not, Oregon, Portland, Oregon, whatever. One of our not, listeners is screaming at me right now. <laughs> but like, when is when have you ever seen that story in a movie or no, a TV you're right. show? You're Those gays right. exist. Yes. There's tons of them. There's TwitchCon is going on right now. Yeah. There's a whole gay meetup. Like yeah. there's a whole gay community happening at uh, on Twitch, right? You know, it it's and it looks very diverse. And I don't just mean by race. It's just all different types of bodies. Mm-hmm. Um, and we had you know two kind of bigger people in this movie. Um, obviously, we had trans people in this movie. We didn't hear anything about their dating life. But no. you know what I mean? No. T.S. Madison was there to just be the trans woman. Uh, she got to have the trans woman speech. As a trans woman, I don't need to hear this. I was like, you know, you could cut that line. Just say, I don't need to hear this. We know who T.S. Madison is. I did appreciate uh, some of the, the just the, the bisexuality dialogue. Uh, you know, there was there was a satire to it that I thought oh, was very funny. The coworker scenes were also where it got to that yeah. like bridesmaids level of like, oh, yes. I love the commentary that everybody is is like, well, mm-hmm. that doesn't represent this and that. And and then the one um who was it? Uh was it Wanda who was like, I hear you and I'm making space for you. Like that was really great. And I wanted more of that, you know, and, and, and more of Dot Marie Jones as uh-huh. Cherry, the lesbian. God, she was great. She yeah. was great. Um, uh, they sick the lesbians on them. There was all those little kind of wink, wink, nudge, nudges, um, you know, that I, I that would only exist in a gay movie, right? Obviously. Yeah, they, I they, love They were that. a little caricature-esque in this gay movie, um, but I think they called attention to that as well. Uh, properly that's kind of the, the thing and i think once like rewatching this it'll maybe level out a bit but there it, the movie does have multiple tones there, there is that like very like romantic comedy tone very earnest very genuine there is that kind of satirical broad you know uh i'm sorry i keep you know referring to bridesmaids broad but that's just oh. mm-hmm. what it feels like but like there is that bridesmaids kind of humor um you know i feel like those are kind of the two it, it's it's how do you make how do you make the two like is are are should we be taking There's this the seriously? biting commentary as well, right? right. Like, by the end when they're like, Well, let's do this for three months and check in, that mm. feels to me like a very satirical happily ever after, you know? Sure. Yeah. And they do check in and it's great still. Right? Sure. And exactly. Like there was a part of me that was wondering, because there is this movie from the seventies called An Unmarried Woman. Uh, with Jill Clayburg. She was nominated for an Oscar. And it's about this woman in, you know, in the seventies in New York who gets divorced and um you know ends divorced? up divorced yeah divorced. not deceased divorced you have, to, you have to whisper it she got divorced oh well she got divorced i'm gonna say it so <laughs> quietly no one even hears it um but if, and i you know love she meets a new guy blah 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 but at the end of the movie they don't end up together and like the end of the movie is her like walking through midtown carrying this like enormous painting that he'd made for her and that's the end of the movie and it's so like oh shit she didn't end up with the guy at the end and there was a part of me that was wondering if this was going to be the same thing i i thought that might happen and yeah i thought that might happen uh i i as a rom-com lover i'm glad that it didn't yeah i think that like it it doesn't have obviously the same good feeling or it'd be interesting how they could still 
end on a happy note, even if they don't end up together. Mm, mm-hmm. um, yeah, that would be very interesting. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, uh, Aaron quitting his job to fulfill his dream is making chocolates like uh, it's adorable and hilarious, but also like, wouldn't it be funny if like it failed and then he needed to go back, you know? Sure. I mean, that's where it gets like full romantic comedy where like in in the space of 10 minutes, he quits his job and, you know, starts a, a an LLC, you know, and has his own branding. And, you know, all of a sudden he's, uh, yeah. you know, but, what's but, his name? Yeah. Uh, but Max he, Brenner. Max Brenner. Uh, but he also and this is also what's very real about it. I wish they went to this satire, though. But like he, no matter what he decided to do. I know this is going to sound so jaded. I'm sorry. But like no matter what he decided to do, he could create an Instagram account or a TikTok account about it and it would be successful because he's attractive. Like, of course they're going to sell. I guess I, I hear what you're saying and I I feel like there is like to go back to, yeah, but he's white and hot and attractive. It, it's so, I don't, I don't want to live there. I, you know what I'm saying? Like, I don't, I, I understand that there's a lot of truth in that, but like, it's, it just feels a little defeatist. I just, I don't know. I think it's a, a, a discussion worth having because of how the internet is working right now or how uh, apps like Instagram and TikTok and stuff are working right now. And it, and it, I can't help but see it, you know? It's certainly there. I guess I, 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 I guess it's like, okay, then then what you know what i mean and i guess there's a part of me that's just like i feel like there's so there's kind of a shift now in a lot of ways to try to make to tell more stories that aren't representing just like white hot people you know what i mean like i feel like in lots of ways there is kind of more of a cultural shift in terms of diverse voices diverse stories whatnot Mm -hmm. and i guess i feel like or i wonder if or how that's happening with the gay community, with gay men in particular, to just hone in. Um, and I don't know. I, I guess my part of it is like, okay, well, you know what? Those white, hot circuit boys and the harnesses and the clack fans are always going to exist. And I kind of feel like there's there's also an element of like forgiving them for being that. Oh, no. I Yes, Mary. But what I'm, I, I guess I'm just trying to bring up this idea that of him opening up his his story uh, or his store of chocolates. Right. It's like, yeah, of course, it's going to be successful. Like, that's just the point I'm trying to make uh, that because that we got into that because I'm like, oh, it fails. No, it wouldn't fail. I Yeah, it'd be more interesting if it did. Yeah. Um, I, well, and I think maybe that's something with Aaron is kind of something I've noticed with this movie is like, I would love to see more of the ways in which he is, uh, neurotic or he is, he, you know, doesn't, isn't as successful or isn't as happy or isn't as fulfilled. You know, I'd love to see kind of what we really just kind of see is his job is, you know, draining him, but like that job is probably also paying him a really incredible salary especially if he's 40 years old mm-hmm. um and so there is an element of like oh man your white collar job's really draining you i bet all that savings you have is uh you know gonna be a really awful cushion while you start your chocolate company you know like mm. there i wanted to see well what else like i would have loved to see a scene of him not having anyone to talk to or trying to have a conversation with one of these like couples that he's hooking up with and they're like yeah i don't want to talk you know what i mean like i think that is really interesting is like really, I guess maybe what I'm trying to say is like humanizing that 
person because I feel like all we're ever shown and all we ever really feel unless we really know these people is this kind of hot guy in a calendar. Like we don't really know them as human beings. Right. You know? And so I just want to know like, okay, well like what's going on beneath all of that? Like, who are you though? Because you're not just like the hot photo on Instagram that I'm feeling maybe jealous of, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I, Jealous is an interesting word because that is definitely uh, part of it. And I think it's also kind of, I don't know, um, there's so many other qualities to people, right? And there is, obviously with a visual medium, you have to lean in on what's visual about you. You know what I mean? So it makes sense that the conventionally attractive people, um, that's all we really care about, right? That's all we notice. That's all we think about. Yeah, and I, I guess what I just what I'm hearing similar to what you were saying of like, I'm responding a lot to what someone in my life and the way that they're interacting with me. And I'm feeling that maybe very common thing in the gay community, very specifically right now. I also feel like you are feeling this very specifically right now with the apps. And so I feel like we come back to this of like, Oh, well these, you know, these hot people can get whatever they want, but like, you're also saying like, well, nobody, they can get whatever they want on the apps and I can't. And I just, I feel like some of this conversation I feel like is, for both of us is being informed by our own experiences yeah. right now. Oh no, absolutely. Um, but I don't think it's, it's uncommon for no. people to feel like they're, you know, being like they're, it's like buying on Amazon, shopping on Amazon. It's very transactional, that it is very visual, that you want a specific type, that you're not seen for your other qualities on these apps, you know? Yeah, I think we're bringing very subjective experiences to what is a very common experience, you know, and I just think that that's maybe a necessary lens of like, as we talk about these things, we're also feeling some of as gay men talking about issues among the gay community, some of these things we maybe are feeling more pointedly right now in Mm. our own personal lives. And I guess I just want to name it just to be transparent of like. Yeah, like, you know, uh, I am very much feeling, for example, like the way that gay men, including myself, you know, can peacock about certain things. I'm really feeling rubbed the wrong way about it because I'm overexposed to it right now. Oh, I and see. you're feeling I, I'm not trying to put words in your mouth, but it feels like overexposed to the way the apps work and don't work. Well, in a in a world right now where people are, I don't know, people, me, where I'm just trying to connect with new people in the city. Uh, and, you know, I can't uh, because I am not showing a naked picture of myself or a picture of myself in a Speedo. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, why is that the barrier? Uh, and 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 I know that it's just like, well, Johnny, not everybody's like that on the apps. And it's like, yeah, I know. I know. I, I did the apps for a very long time. I, I you know, I get it all. Um and yeah, I think if I, if if it's my subjective thing of what I'm sick of, it's that my self worth is on those apps being tied to what I look like instead of everything else that I am, you know. And I and as you're saying that, I was thinking, you know, each of these topics that we're bringing up, like in the kind of imaginary first season of Bros TV show on Netflix, these are like the topics that I would love to see expanded upon. Because like uh, what you're talking about is I'm not saying like, what are you talking about, Johnny? That doesn't ever happens. It's more of like each 
yeah, you may not be feeling some of the same issues that I'm feeling and vice versa, but like these are super common and these are things that like, whether it be in a major studio theatrical release or a Netflix show or a Hulu movie, like these are the real things happening in the gay community that I would love to see being told in movies. Absolutely. If I were to like, you know, set the bar of what I want, these are real topics beyond even like, you know, I'm afraid of commitment. That's actually kind of an old topic. Sure. Yeah. In, an interesting one in this movie, not interesting, kind of a, a ho-hum one in this movie is like, oh, yeah, I'm not really looking to date. Yeah, I think that is that's been covered. You know what just I mean? Like, I feel oh, like, God, OK, go hook up, you know, yeah, just like, yeah, okay, we get it. But then what are the nuances of that? And that's kind of, I think, the like the bros that I'm I'm even more interested in, you know? Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. There's there's just a. An, an experience that I think is being forgotten about, which is like where we're going right now as says gay men on these apps or with sex in general. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, it's, you know, I, I think it's that pairing of like the hookup apps and only fans and, mm-hmm. you know, even like Twitter porn now, or like, you know, the private Those traps. Yeah, yeah. Private Instagram accounts. All that is like, we are, we are marketing ourselves more than ever, certainly. And like what, what pitfalls does that create when we are both marketers and consumers? Marketers. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And I, I don't know. I'm, I'm on this. I don't know if it's a crusade yet. I don't want to call it a crusade. It's definitely not, but for my own kind of mental kind of stability and to stay focused on what matters, I am, I'm not really on Instagram anymore, not really on Twitter anymore because tennis season is over and or almost over and uh, everyone retired. Yeah. yeah, And not on the apps. Um, I am on one dating app, which I just find it is so fascinating. So fascinating. That's a whole other discussion to be had on another only Mary's episode that I can't wait to just like be like, this is happening. This is, this is going on. Uh, I went on with, um, my friend who's trans who uh, was setting up uh, a profile um, and was asking me for help. And it was just an interesting, God, just such an interesting experience to be setting that up with a trans person. Uh, you know what I mean? I don't know. Cause I think it's a very personal experience to be setting up a dating profile in general. And then to see it from just like a totally different perspective where I'm noticing all the things that are very cis centric. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, like the I guess part of the marketing, right? Like, okay, how do I how how do I represent myself either to uh, be more attractive, to be safer, to be to weed know, out people that weed don't, out. I don't want to even see me. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that that there is you know to different levels that like we, they're doing that probably a lot more than you have to. Yeah, right. Oh my God. Anyway, very, very rich discussion there. Um, but yeah, bros, I don't know, Mary, is, is it just my, my romantic heart of like, Oh, I loved it. It was so sweet. <laughs> Am I just I, easily, easily impressed? Am I the adult here? I just feel no. like I'm the one that's like, Oh, but I liked it. <laughs> I, you know what? I liked it. I think it's, you know what? I, when this movie comes out on Netflix or whatever, and I can put it on while I'm cooking or, you know what I mean? Like put it on. Cause Mary, sleepy time movie, realness. Sure. 
Yeah, like, of course. It's in parts. I mean, no, I don't think there's any alarms in it. There is some singing at the end, but I'll be asleep by then. Like, there is a, there is something that I think I will, and I think this movie will find more success once it settles into that market. Um, so I, I think it's more, there's also this, right? And I, maybe this is something I say it from the start, is like, I and maybe I kind of did, is like, I also, I've set really high expectations of bros. And I also feel like there is an element of, you know, a, a hunger to criticize something like this because I'm more fluent in the things that worked and didn't work in terms of the narrative. And so it just kind of feels, I don't know, there's, and maybe it's not that, but there's something that I felt, why, it was like, why do I feel so drawn to like dissect what worked and didn't work or why bros didn't work. And, um, but I think the movie in and of itself as a gay rom-com, regardless of all this other hubbub is a perfectly good movie. There were great parts about it. Like many movies, you know, it, there are great parts about it. Not everything is going to be bridesmaids, you know? Yeah. And I think there's, there's that desire for a movie to tickle the, you know, to tickle the bones, like, like a movie like that. that's just come out and, and be that, you know what I mean? To just be that I, much. I, yeah, yeah. I, you know, putting it into perspective, I did have really high expectations for the satire that I was going to hear. Yes, the satire. That's what it is. I yeah. really thought that he was just going to go in on love is love is love. I thought he was going to go in on grinder culture. I thought he was going to go in on circuit boys. I thought he was just going to go in on it. And, he he mentioned it, and then they just went in this kind of very easy direction. I think that's that's exactly it. I, that's what I was looking for. Was like I know that Billy Eichner can be scathing, and yes. I wanted to see that because there is plenty to ridicule. There's plenty to talk about. There's plenty to ex like expose. It started off well, right, with the best yeah. Cis Cismail Gay Man Award and the Colton Underwood of it all. Yep. Like, it started there, and even with the like, circuit boy in the club when he saw him, and like it was there. It was like, oh yeah, you have to go because you have to go sleep with these two people. You don't want to go with me? Okay, bye. And then he leaves. Like, there's all of that. Like, if that was the last we saw of Aaron, you know what I mean? And then we yep. went to another storyline. It would have been, I would have been happier. Yeah, I I really think that's what it is. It's like it, I wanted to see more of a takedown of this stuff that. Other than not just to like, oh, look, here's a thing that happens. But I'm like, yeah, but what do you think about it? You know what I mean? Yeah, Say right. something about how bad it is, you know, or whatever. Um, yeah, tell her about me. Yeah, tell her exactly. about me. Yeah. yeah right. Um, you know, and I, I just I think that those those opportunities were there. But again, the, the season one of Bros, the TV show could spend so much more time on even even in a, a, a very high satire way, the politics of this museum he works at and the different mm. conflicting perspectives. Like yeah. there is so much satire there and so much you could uh, talk about and show that, yeah, that, you know, there just wasn't, I guess, time for it in this two hour movie. There was time for it. And it was a major motion picture. I think they were trying to like, quote unquote, to go back to something you brought up to me, like, this groundbreakingness of this movie, they didn't want to scare people away. Uh, they wanted something that wouldn't go over people's heads, right? Uh, 
And you, you have to compromise what else they're saying. Things that you don't necessarily have to compromise in a studio film or, or sorry, a streaming film or, you know, uh, a television show that uh, might only go for one season. You know, I just feel like there is the Judd Apatow-ness of this. There is the, you know, Global Solutions, Apatow Productions, Universal Pictures of it all. That's like, yeah, we're going to do this. Well, you know, it certainly comes back to all of the messaging of like straight people. We need you to go see this. This mm. is your job. And it's also like it's also where the numbers are like there aren't there aren't enough gaggles of gays to get you to number one in the box office, you know? <sighs> yeah, unfortunately, uh, in New York, you forget. Right. You, know, you like, do. Oh, you, the concentrations. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 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 And I know there are some people that just like. Are, they're protesting not seeing it for whether it's for COVID reasons or because it's, you know, two very attractive gay white men leading the movie. Two very different reasons. I love that. It's like, oh, I'm not very going different. because it's not safe. I'm not going because it's not inclusive. Well, yeah. You know, now your sister is dead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And now your sister is dead. Now your yeah. sister is dead. Yeah. What a waste. Yeah. What a waste. <laughs> we could have seen something together. But you can't support anything. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly, so now exactly. I have to go to Netflix and I can't accept that we weren't because number one of at the box Chappelle. office. Yes, no, yeah. right. <laughs> yeah. Because Netflix will put out anything. <laughs> oh, God. You know, and then there's Hulu, which, you know, I got to bring this up. And maybe we talked about this. I can't remember. I think we did. Uh, we did talk about this. Hulu will put out the most brutal rape scenes uh-huh. on Handmaid's Tale. Yep. And yet. <laughs> oh, yeah. But it's like, but let's, let's not, let's not be too edgy drag, with our, dr- yeah, with, with drag, drag extravaganza. It's yeah. like, you know, well, the edgiest we'll get are some, you know, Jackie Beat and Lady Bunny jokes that were right. probably watered down after the fact. Yeah, yeah. When you know, like how dark and how like, quote unquote inappropriate either of them do go oh, oh it's just a whole other perspective and yeah i know at the same time you know let's do the super cut of of you know of brutal rapes yeah let's do the super cut of violence of of, of movies that they're promoting on the hulu yeah. and drag extravaganza that are far more uh, you know upsetting than like you know uh, right all the true crime dramas that they mm-hmm. have on there or the documentaries on there there's a really rich discussion being had about that genre and who's profiting off of what and I, which I'm finding really fascinating with the whole Jeffrey Dahmer thing, um, where it's like, oh my God, what? How much money are you making, Ryan Murphy? Like, it's it's wild to me, mm-hmm. right? Um, and uh, so anyway, and yet, right? We get this Bros movie, we get Fire Island, that is just very sweet. <laughs> yeah, I I really think that's you know credit to you know, even movies like Adam and Steve or, yes. you know, even not another gay movie, which is it, uh, ridiculous, but it went to those places. It went to those dark places. Like it had douching jokes. You know what I uh-huh. mean? Like that's the sign of like a real gay movie. Do you address anal sex prep or not? 
You know what I mean? Like, sure. I'll, I'll, do you looking least, did that? You know, at least looking yeah. did that. Bros did not. I was like, no, Aaron is Aaron is not ready. Aaron Aaron might have a dusty like ear bulb syringe in the back drawer of his bathroom. He might be able to dig up. Aaron is not ready to have sex right now, Bobby. But like that to me is the sign of are you telling a real story or a sanitized story for broad, mainstream audiences? You know? Yeah. No, you're right. You're right. Absolutely. Uh, I don't know where we landed with bros, Mary, after this discussion. I do know that I landed on I, I want to see it again when it comes out. I want to see it again, too. I think it's okay that we kind of came to multiple cul-de-sacs on this. I think that's kind of the idea. There's, You know, uh, it. I think it's also kind of, I think it's good that each of us being, you know, nearly the, the exact target audience of this movie um, came back, came out of it with, still very different experiences, you know, and like yeah. different things that it talked about or didn't talk about that we recognize from our own life. Mm. So um, certainly a moral that like an understanding, like bros can't be all things to all gays, you know, and like we can't expect right. Billy to tell all of our stories. No, and, like that's it's not, not how... fair. It's not fair. It's yeah. And it's like, we're setting a standard that we don't hold against anything else. You know what I mean? Sure. There's only two gay movies that came out with big motion pictures this summer. Right? Yeah, I, I didn't expect The Hours to tell my story, but I love The Hours, so go uh, figure, you know? Mary, that reminds me, we need to talk about The Met. Uh, I know that you don't, you're probably not going to be one of those Met gays that you uh, I earlier, will be but... going to The Hours Opera with Renee Fleming, though, yeah. Uh, did you my... buy tickets yet? No. Okay, well then that's why we need to talk, because I need to buy tickets. Yeah, no, that is like appointment television. Oh, my God. Okay. Uh, Marys, thank you so much for listening. Uh, if you have any thoughts on bros, you could reach out to us at allrightmarypodcast at gmail.com. You can also find us on Instagram at allrightmarypodcast. All right, Mary Pod. <laughs> All right, Mary Pod. All right, Mary Pod. Um, you can also find us on the web at www.allrightmary.com. And if you want, I'm on Instagram at Johnny Also. And I love you for that. And one other dating app, but you have to be an only Mary to hear about that. Uh, you I can find. See, I did see one of our Marys on there, Mary. <laughs> did you give a poke? No, it's not like that. It's not oh. like that. Yeah. Uh, well, uh, you can find me on my other two podcasts in the details, A Celebration of Nuance or Best Supporting Podcast, uh, Celebration of Best Supporting Actresses. You can find me on Instagram at Colin Drucker underscore. And uh, as mentioned previously, you can find both of us on Patreon at patreon.com slash All Right Mary. Uh, right? All right, Mary. Uh, where you could get some Only Mary's discussions that go even deeper than this. You could also get our discussions of Drag Race UK and Drag Race Philippines. And we finished Canada and Down Under recently. It, it, there's like, I don't know, almost 300 episodes on Patreon. So for 5 or $10 a month, you get your money's worth. Absolutely. Uh, one, one last little tidbit from this movie. Billy Eichner was complaining about how the world didn't catch up fast enough, which is why people in a certain generation of gays are living the type of lives that they live. Uh, it was it was just kind of a light bulb moment as well uh, for me. And I, I, I just needed to get that back in there, Mary. Um, I, I don't know why, but I feel like put a pin in that because I think that is a bigger discussion. That's probably, yeah, that's probably a whole bros part two. Yeah, part step two. bros. Oh my God, Step Bros. That movie with Matt Damon and Will 
think it was John C. Riley. Oh, Will John Farrell. C. Riley. Yeah. Farrell. And I think uh, Mary Steenburgen may have been in that. Ah. Uh, yeah. So, lucky us. <laughs> All right, Marys. Thanks so much for listening. We really appreciate it. And we'll see you next week. Party, party. Tatsies.